Welcome to North Shore News Week. Hello, hello, North Shore listeners. This is Joe Coglin um, with Marty Carlino. We are of the recordnorthshore.org, your new media outlet. We are a no- nonprofit newsroom um, bringing you the news of your community every single day, um, independent, nonpartisan. And um, this is North Shore News Week, our weekly roundup, our weekly recap to give you another alternative to take in your news for the week. Um, and we're going to run through basically three segments, um, our lead story, then we go up and down the shore, and then we have a featured feature to talk about. Uh, Marty, how's your week been? It's been pretty great, Joe. How's your been? How has yours been? You know, we're entering week five here of this podcast already. Pretty wild times, huh? Which means week five of the record, which is crazy. It feels like we just launched, which was October 1st. Um, feels like we just launched yesterday. Crazy. Crazy. But it wasn't yesterday. It was a month ago. Um, so the news is coming in uh, fast paced. And for the state of Illinois um, and our area, um, some some difficult news to hear for already struggling restaurant owners and businesses in the community as um, Governor Pritzker announced on uh, yesterday that um, as of today, which is Wednesday when we are recording this, that indoor dining service and bar service has been halted or suspended um, until further notice as uh, COVID-19 cases have, um, I guess you could say, surged both in the area, in the suburban Cook County, which is both multiple districts, south, north, west. We are in the north district, but um, to be honest, it's not much better in any of those areas. It has just been spiking all over, and restaurant owners and diners are going to have to wait. Yeah, certainly certainly some some crushing news for our local restaurants here, Joe. Um, you could you could sort of see the writing on the wall given some of the recent trends that we've seen over the the last couple of weeks. Um, it, it it's hard to it's hard to to know though for sure if indoor dining and restaurants play a significant role in the spread of this virus. I guess that's something we'll we'll never fully know. Um, certainly, there is some data out there that might suggest it. However, there's also some data that might suggest it, it's safe and that the it isn't a way for the virus to spread. I mean, we're not, we're not scientists, so we'll leave that to the, to the scientists to decide. Um, but what we will discuss is, is how it's going to affect our local restaurants. And, and certainly you, you have to feel for these restaurants because it's been an incredibly tough year for them already. And this is just another significant blow to them because sort of, I'm sure a lot of restaurants were, were relying on indoor dining to sort of carry them through the winter um, we've reported pretty extensively on how some um, restaurants are even looking to some innovative options outdoors. So um, some restaurants have have those plans in the works and have those plans set up, but but that's certainly not the case for all restaurants, uh, for all local restaurants. It's something that's not feasible for all restaurants for for a variety of reasons. Uh, most importantly, is space. Not all restaurants have have the space for, for a significant outdoor dining area. So it's. Uh, it's really hard to to imagine um, being a restaurant owner right now or, or being a staff member at a restaurant because as Joe and I mentioned in our in our discussions before um, recording it it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel right now it uh, it seems that things are, are taking a turn for for the worse yet again which is really just just crazy considering we're about seven months into this pandemic and it's just hard seeing 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 things taking a turn for a better um, in the near future so very, very tough news for our local restaurants. And 
we uh, we definitely encourage if you're listening to uh, to do your best to support them through these tough times if you're able to. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head that some of the most frustrating and irritating um, or the most difficult portion of this is we moved forward to in-person dining and now we're taking a step back to, um, you know, outdoor only and carry out only. And um, that had a lot of ramifications. You know, we, we've talked to um, at least seven restaurants, I believe in the story that's up um, currently um, about, and, you know, Stormy has mentioned they hired everybody back and now they got to take those shifts away again after, after they already did that in the spring. So very difficult for a lot of service workers, for a and lot of uh, owners making these tough decisions. There's a there's a particular example right there, um, Joe. Very very small place, you know, a place that I'm sure relies on some patrons coming in and having a couple drinks and getting some food. And uh, we've all had our experiences in that parking lot. It's a very small parking lot, so not a lot of room for outdoor dining. Um, and I'm sure they probably want to leave a couple of those those spaces open. So. That that's a place that it's it's probably going to affect a little bit more than than some other places that maybe have outdoor room or uh, more capability to to put up a tent or something along those lines. So it, it's it's hard to to look at it in, in the big picture because it varies for each restaurant. It's going to be a challenging and unique situation for each restaurant given their own um, give their their own circumstances that they face. It absolutely is, and, and um, depending on. The length and where this is going, um, I'm sure, I, I hope we do not see uh, any more restaurants close, but, um, you know, that, you know, your income take a tumble like it's going to without, um, without dining for this long, um, that, that might happen soon too, and we'll be on top of it. But as Marty mentioned, please support where you can. Um, obviously, everyone's um, in a difficult time, but if you are in a place where you can support um, local restaurants and any local business, please do, whether that's takeout or a lot of the places will have, um, tents and heated igloos and greenhouses, um, throughout certain communities. So, um, check those out if you can. Certainly have, certainly have to feel for some of the new restaurants opening up, uh, because I know there's, there's been a couple in, in our coverage area, uh, particularly in Winneka that had planned to open either this week or in, in the coming weeks. And, I'm sure certainly this throws a, a wrench in their plans and they weren't expecting this. So you, you have to feel for all the restaurants, the new restaurants, the restaurants that have been in these communities for 10, 20, 30 years. It's, it's a challenging situation for everyone. Um, read all the latest that we have on that at the record um, We also have some past coverage of what they'll be doing for winter dining. You can just search our site uh, for things like that. You could probably search Igloo and something will come up. Um, so check that stuff out at our website, um, therecordnorthshore.org. That is our lead story. Um, we're going to move down to our second segment called uh, Up and Down the Shore. Um, we're just going to go town by town. We always start on our northernmost town of our coverage area, Glencoe. Um, and uh, Glencoe had a, a book drive um, doing some good in the community, contactless, um, but they did end up being uh, pretty successful, Mark. Yeah, nice little feel-good um, story right here. Um, in partnership with the Nutria Township and the Village of Glencoe, yeah, they were able to collect 18,000 books um, that are going to be donated donated to a Bernie's Book Bank in um, Lake Bluff. And those books will then go out to underserved families and children who don't have access to the same educational materials as everyone. So definitely a, definitely a great feel-good story there. And it was done in a completely safe manner and uh, 
the community came out in full force to support it. So great little start to up and down the shore. Um, and, and moving on to our next community um, in Winneka, and we'll, I'm sure Joe and I will both touch on this a little bit, but we like to um, give you the latest updates related to Nutrier each week. Um, so in our Winneka recap this week, we've got a, a new story that that published a little towards the end, uh, end of last week um, with Nutrier announcing that it's going to continue its pause on its hybrid learning plan until at least the end of this week. So until at least um, November 2nd would be the potentially earliest that students could return to campus. Um, we'll expect another announcement from Dr. Sally probably in the next couple of days about what the next steps for Nutria will be moving forward. Um, but it's certainly um, probably was not what, what Nutria was anticipating when they uh, entered phase four of their reopening ladder, which called for 25% of in-person instruction and um, they've only had they've only been able to do that for about a week um, without without interruptions thus far. Yeah. So, uh, and a reminder that for Nutrier and its community um, uh, staff and students, the saliva testing is coming by November. They're kind of collecting the opt-ins right now, and they hope to get a very high number. So, read all of that at therecordnorthshore.org. That's Glencoe and Winneka. Uh moving down one community to Kenilworth. Uh, Kenilworth is actually um, the main town featured in our featured feature, featured in our featured feature, which is <laughs> which is coming up um, after up and down the shore. So we'll skip that and go to Wilmette. Um, and uh, in Wilmette, if you guys didn't know, it is election season and uh, Wilmette voters on the ballot will be faced with the question, um, an advisory question, getting their opinion on whether to allow cannabis sales in the area. This is a very big topic throughout the state of Illinois and especially the North shore this election season and both, uh, and during, um, just the voting, um, the board season in that, um, a lot of towns are faced with budget deficits because of COVID-19. Can they find ways to make up that revenue at least in part, um, cannabis sales is uh, kind of an easy mark for them if they have turned it down in the first place. Now they have some data to look at. Um, the Wilmette um, Village Board um, has some data from towns like Northbrook, um, which has a dispensary that actually just opened. Skokie, just down the road. Um, we have Buffalo Grove that has um, okayed it um, and some other communities. And they're looking at nearby Evanston as well. Another bordering community that uh, is expecting some big, revenues potentially from cannabis sales yeah and they're looking at that data for things like um, um, traffic issues or crime issues or anything like that that they can um, look at any negatives and then of course the positive would be potential revenue and a lot of these towns are budgeting between three hundred and fifty thousand and about six hundred and fifty thousand depending on the community um, from that's all from one dispensary i believe each town only has that is reporting that has one or will have one so that uh that's what they're looking at right now yeah. to make a decision, but voters get to say in Wilmette if they want it or not. Now, that's not a binding um, referendum. It'll just kind of help guide the decision how much you'll have to trust your, um, your village government, your local government to make that. But that is just one of the aspects they'll look at when uh, they make the decision in 2021, um, according to Mike Brayman, the village manager. For our listeners out there, Joe, have they uh, signaled any any timeline if they were to to move forward with uh, considering cannabis sales in the village? Well, they put a moratorium on the sales that expires in June of 2021. So they hope a decision is by then, but before then. Um, okay. That's kind of the deadline they've set for themselves, according to the village. 
Um, but the, right now, until the end of the year, the board is pretty committed to the budget for the next fiscal year. Um, but in 2021, they'll start looking at it. And I'm sure the public will have more say with public hearings if they do move forward with it. Um, and that decision, I think you can expect within the first couple months of 2021. Moving on down the shore, um, we're going to go with Northfield. Um, and Marty got a story about a trail that's been kind of tough to figure out, but they believe they might have a solution. Yeah, so we've got the latest update on the Skokie Valley Trail up on our website. Um, so you definitely want to check that out. But to, to break it down as quickly as possible, it's certainly a very uh, complex issue and a lot of details go into it. Uh, but this is something that has been in, in discussion for over a year. And uh, the, the village of Northfield has been very hopeful to complete its portion of the, the Skokie Valley Trail as, as their portion is one of the, the only links of the trail that isn't fully uh, completed. Um, so if, if the village of Northfield's trail were completed, um, then the, the Skokie Valley Trail is, is, a, is a trail that could stretch as far as from Lake Bluff to the city of Chicago. So it's a, it's a biking and walking and, and recreational trail that uh, would certainly be a great addition to any community. But the, the village has had some, some struggles with figuring out, figuring out the precise path that they want to, um, to move forward with for completing that trail. So at their, at their latest committee of the whole meeting, they now have, a, have an option they believe is going gonna, is gonna to work and to, to quickly summarize it, it's sort of a dual path option that works around a right-of-way issue that they had to deal with and leaves uh, a beloved local trail uh, that Northfield resident, res residents currently enjoy um, untouched. That was sort of one of the points of contention as some, some previous plans they had discussed for it. So they, they believe the new plan they have moving forward is one that's going to work, and now they're going to, to start work on the engineering engineering phase of the the project and figuring out all the uh, precise logistical elements of it. So definitely something that is still a ways away, but there is some progress moving forward in, in the attempt to complete um, their portion of the trail. So that is out of Northfield and that is our final town. We go up and down the shore um, of the five towns we cover Glencoe, Winneka, Kenilworth, Walmart, and Northfield. Um, thank you guys for listening to that. You can check out the full stories on all of that at the record northshore.org. Now moving on to our third segment, I told you Kenilworth, I wouldn't, I wouldn't forget about you. Um, we're talking about um, our featured feature, which is on some Halloween wars on the streets of Kenilworth. Um, pretty cool story that we reported on earlier this week. You guys got to check it out. Um, the, the Judy's and the uh, Steppens um, of Kenilworth have a bit of a rivalry going in terms of their Halloween displays. Probably some of the coolest I've seen on the North Shore. Went to check them out. Um, every year, Mike Judy and his family um, put up a pretty cool display. Um, but this year, um, Al Steppen and his family decided to challenge the Judys and say uh, for, for best on the block here. Um, Al had a lot of motivation here, not only to beat the Judys, uh, but also to put up a display that was really special this year and a tough uh, year, he said, especially for the kids with COVID-19 and all the restrictions and all the guidelines that they've had to follow. Um, so um, this is really for the kids. Um, he said, while that's cheesy, that is a big part of his motivation. Um, and it's really cool going by both of these. Um, you guys got to check it out. Um, this weekend's a good time to drive around. Obviously, a lot of things are closed to you, but checking out your neighborhood decorations are not. Um, so the 600 block of Kenilworth Avenue is when you'll find the Judy's display just down the block on Glen Denning is where you'll find the step-ins. Um, it's really good stuff. 
um, fun. If you were to ask me to choose, I'm not going to do that to stay oh. unbiased. But uh, I'll say the Judys might have the advantage in the shock factor, um, while the uh, the Steppens might have it in the wow factor. Um, if you can kind of catch my drift, the Steppens is, is pretty extensive. Um, pretty Joe cool. might actually get a call from the Village of Kenilworth to be a guest judge because. For those of our listeners out there uh, that don't know, the village is actually running its uh, its first ever uh, Halloween decorating house contest throughout Kenilworth. So perhaps one of those two families is going to win that contest. Um, and Joe's got a little bit of, of background on, on the story and has uh, some inside information. So maybe, maybe a guest judge there, maybe not. We'll see. But uh, also for our listeners out there who don't know, uh, Joe loves himself some some good Halloween decorations. Big Halloween guy. <laughs> I don't know if that's obvious if you read the story. I had some fun with it, um, but uh, yes, I do. Um, the the Coglin household is also um, a little bit decorated, but not to this extent. Uh, we're getting there, but um, pretty cool stuff. Um, well, we got a couple days left, so you got to put the finishing touches on it. I know, I know, but, uh, you know, the weather, it's tough to get certain things up with the weather. I gotta, I gotta take some hints from the Judy's, but you guys, uh, in this Halloween season, it's on, um, Saturday this year. So a couple days, so check it out. Um, if you can get out there, um, and check out some of your local decorations. We also mentioned Fred's garage as a fun, uh, as a fun display in Winneka. And, uh, if you want to go all the way up to Highwood, um, the whole city is participating in an invasion of the skeletons. So check out the story. Um, the record north shirt.org and uh, the Halloween Wars in Kenilworth. And that is your featured feature. Those are our three main segments, guys. And that is um, North Shore Newsweek. Um, just to finish things up, we like to, we like to riff a little bit on what's coming up uh, for you so you can kind of stay tuned for the coming weeks. Um, news, features, profiles, we got it all coming up. I, I just, just to start it off on the news side, we're going to get you guys a, uh, an update on the COVID-19 very locally, um, down at the town level, on what you guys are seeing, just um, part of our public service work. Um, all, always free to read our public service work like that and our breaking news and um, anything related to COVID-19 and public safety. So check it out, um, just a reference guide. Um, we're basically just gonna break down some data for you um, so you're able to see what it's like in your, um, in your hometown um, with uh, the COVID-19 spread. Yeah, and then we've we've also got a story coming up um, in the next couple of days on uh, the Wilmette Village Board approving the Optima development just outside of downtown Wilmette. Um, just a little background on that. That's something that's that's been in the works and gone through the uh, the various village boards uh, and 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 governing bodies for the past uh, oh eight or nine months. It's been it's been quite a while. Then it's a uh, it got its final approval the other evening, so it's going to uh, to bring a, a mixed use and commercial and residential development to, to just outside of the, uh, the downtown area. So keep an eye out for that. And of course we have to mention a story that is already up for those of you looking for some um, information on trick or treating in, in, in your town, a great little local recap with the latest information from all of our villages from Joe Coughlin is up on our website. So make sure to, to check that out. If you have any questions, whether that be about the safety or the hours uh, of trick or treating in your town. And just to add a little more fright to your weekend, I got one more Halloween story coming up uh, oh. on Friday. Um, you know, the mystery of Ignis Huff, the murder of him in 1881 in Winneka and a couple more murders that led to Winneka being known as murder town. Murder town. Uh, that's right. Um, so, um, a uh, little spook for you this weekend on Friday. I hope that it will be up on Friday. 
Um, so checked out historical piece as well with some help from some other piece, some other organizations. So um, having a little fun with you guys this Halloween. That is um, North Shore Newsweek. Um, thank you guys for listening so much. You can catch that plus our other podcasts, the Varsity North Shore or the, the Varsity Podcast, uh, all our sports roundup on our website. Um, take it out, check it out, peruse it. Um, and enjoy. We got plenty of stuff going on here and we appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you guys reading all the subscribers we have so far. It's been really, uh, really honored to have you guys come in and check out our stuff and we're glad to be back. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading as well. Bye guys. Bye.